Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rotor Grinders DFS Drive for Show, DFS for Doe. I'm your host tonight, Red Kachik. I also go by Drew Matthews. I'm also joined by Trey. Noto and Cards are out this week. They picked an interesting week. Noto coming off a pretty big um, call on JT Post, and I saw Grinders Cal, uh, I think, hit an outright and a couple T20s, T10s, everything for like 80K, 70K, something like that on Sunday night. So congrats to Noto for sure. And um, I think overall our hot takes did pretty well last week, which was interesting. But um, yeah, uh, they picked a good week. I guess I guess cards is down here in Florida. I don't know where Noto is, but I am joined by Trey, our projected ownership guy. So it'll be pretty cool to pick his brain, especially on a unique week like this. Um, so without further ado, I'll bring in Trey. How's it going? Good, doing great, Drew. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, looking forward to this week. It's a little bit different. I mean, the golf world is in in such disarray right now it seems like so you know why not just give us throw us the scottish open right i've never i've always paid attention to it i've never projected for it and i did never really dug in too deep but uh i'm very surprised about the strength of the field and i'm really interested in, in digging into it yeah there's been a handful of guys over the years that have um usually the top guys they'll go over to scotland or england wherever the british open is going to be held and play usually two weeks before the British open, maybe the week before um, two or one or two weeks before. And then uh, I guess this week, now that the John Deere moved back a week and now they have the Barbasol here and this Scottish opens a joint thing with the DP world tour, a lot more of these guys have showed up. So it's definitely a strong field. Um, I kind of view it. I, I was thinking about this in my head a little bit. Cause I think, I think there's a, 
maybe a nuance with the best PGA tour guys going to the European tour to play against those guys on a European tour course versus if it was a PGA tour course with all these guys, which would be the same field as maybe, you know, a, the PGA championship or something. And then all these European tour guys coming over here, we wouldn't think about it much differently. So I'm trying to come through with that type of lens. I, I really do think the PGA tour guys are kind of a, a step above the European tour guys, even though they are more familiar with this style of play. Um, but it is, it is drastically different from a skill set, um, a skill it level. Odd, but it's almost as if, you know, they're, they're the home team this time, you know, our PGA are, are going uh, across the pond and it's just a different game over there. And, so they are a bit at a disadvantage. I'm, you know, it being the week before the Open Championship, I, I you know, it's hard to keep those uh, motivation narratives out, out of your head. Are these guys really motivated to compete? Or are they just trying to tune up for the Open Championship next week? Um, you know, I, we could probably, uh, in looking at the past leaderboards the last two seasons, uh, see some some guys really perform well. But, um, you know, motivation is just something that does, you know, I, I am questioning a little bit. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, motivation, it really depends on how they get off to a good start. Because, like, Colin Morikawa won the British Open. He finished 71st here. But if you look at the top of the board, and we'll get into more of the course stuff and and uh, tournament-specific things, but, like, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Fitzpatrick, and Xander all finished in the top 10 last year. Um, so I do think – I don't know the motivation is necessarily to win. Like, they're really going to be prepping to get into this event to win. But they're definitely using this as an opportunity to get into – into contention on a really, you know, linksy style golf course in preparation for next week. So it's a difference in motivation, but I still think they're motivated to do well. There's going to be incentives for them to do well um, to get a couple extra, a couple extra rounds, tournament rounds on link style for next week at the British Open at St Andrews, which will be a great, a great venue, uh, 150th, crazy. Yeah, it is. It's it's awesome. I'm really looking forward to that. It's, you know, I do. You mentioned it before. I love the PGA Tour uh, going to the DP World Tour on their home course, mixing up those two tours. And and now I didn't think we'd have this, but we have a third layer of uh, it looks like we're going to have three live golf players in the field now. Uh, the- Ian Poulter and Justin Harding and one other. I forget his name, uh, but uh, uh, their suspensions have been stayed in. In a, in a court there in in the UK, so it looks like we're going to have uh, a field beyond the what we thought was set at 156. Are you talking about this week or next week? This week, really? Yeah, I just saw it just just a few minutes uh, before getting on. Uh, it looks like uh, Ian Poulter had led a case that uh, that he had won, and their suspensions in this tournament have been stayed, and it looks like we may have. Uh, uh, three more entries into this field. Ian Poulter, Justin huh. Harding, and one other guy. Yeah, I um, think I saw some some tweets about it, I think. Like Patrick Reed was talking to the DP World Tour, and I know Pat Perez flew back across the pond to play today in that pro-am thing. I don't know if he was playing in this. Um, that's interesting that they're going to lift it for this. Yeah, I think I, they're doing. I, I, did you see the fine that they're doing? Um, I know we don't want to talk too much about Live, but I thought that was interesting. So apparently, the DP World Tour is going to um, issue a hundred thousand dollar fines for every Live Tour event that you play in, and then you want to play in a European Tour event, a DP World Tour event, and it's doubled for every subsequent um, Live Tour events that you play. So, for example, I guess it was. Uh, 
maybe it was Poulter. I thought it was somebody else, but it was a hundred thousand dollar fine for the first one. They played last week or this past week for another two hundred thousand dollar fine. So just to tee it up in the whatever next event, maybe it's this one, they have to pay a three hundred thousand dollar fine just to play, which hopefully the live tour just compensates them. <laughs> we'll see. It's an, it's an absolute mess, and um, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm happy to to plant my flag in, on the PGA tour and the DP World Tour. Uh, for myself, but uh, yeah, it's it just it's something that's just not going to go away, unfortunately, anytime soon. All right, well, let me um, let me kick some kudos to last week. I I assume you watched a good bit of the event. I think it was somewhat anticlimactic with uh, JT posting going wider wire, especially for a guy that's already won. It wasn't like somebody, um, you know, Chris Goddard played well, but maybe if it was Chris Goddard up in you know first place wire to wire, it might have been a little bit more exciting, at least for me personally. But I do want to give a hat tip to um, Noto on the JT posting call for sure. I kind of mentioned that at the top of the show um, <laughs> cards. Justin mentioned Chris Goddard's going to pop for a top five. I'm not sure that was exactly a hot take, but he did finish T four. Um, so you got that one right. And I was a little bit too hot. I went no one over AK cracks the top 10. It was looking good on, uh, on Thursday. It did not pan out over the weekend. And then fear my turtle, fear the turtle. Sahith Agal missed the cut, which was almost going to happen. And then he fired a pretty good round on Friday. That was close. And then Agal came back aggressively. And he really put some scores up in the second and third round. 65-65 Friday and Saturday. He really got quite a bit. I was impressed with Poston for sure, you know, and watching him. He's he's got his demeanor is so stoic and and so unemotional. Uh, If he hits a great shot, he's just like, yeah, I meant to do that. If he hit a bad shot, he's like, yeah, that's not going to happen again. He's just so stoic. And, uh, you know, it's always nice. They – you never want to uh, admit to this unless you win. It's nice to see him, you know, be very humble at the end and so and say and admit that uh, he wasn't, you know, so calm, cool, and collected on the inside. And uh, it was yeah. really nice to see him win. And I, you know, that's what I like about the, I love about the PGA Tour. They, these guys really do care. It's, it's such heated competition and the pressure he was feeling going wire to wire, slipping on that lead three nights in a row. Uh, it's tough. It's that's so tough. I, I thought he'd crumble, but uh, you know, kudos to him for for pulling it off. Got her up. I was surprised his ownership was so much buzz going in, you know, settled in at just 10 percent. But overall, it was a very, very chalky, uh, you know, winning roster there. You know, getting yeah. over 16 percent. I mean, you had Zayden Houghton, you had Cameron Davis, JT Poston in that winning roster, single shot winning roster, 200K, Adams Vinson and uh, uh, Scott Stalling. So it was, you know, it came in at an average ownership of 16.23%, which pretty high, very, yeah. very chalky. Yeah. What was that? 90, 92%, something like that. Total. Uh, total it, the total, uh, I, I always do it the other way. It's, uh, I yeah, nice. I think of it the opposite nice side. So, um, yeah, very chalky. I usually see, you know, those type of fields coming in a little bit lower than that, but, uh, did hit. Yes, it did. Um, yeah, nothing. Uh, yeah, nothing too big of a takeaway. Obviously, they have the alternate field event for the Barbasol. I don't know if they had contests up yet or not. But tonight, we're going to talk about the um, the Genesis Scottish Open. Really strong field. So, if you're ready, Trey, we can go ahead and hop into that. Yeah, let's jump into that top tier. All right. Um, before we get into that, definitely check out ScoresAndOdds.com. Um, that's a Rotor Grinders site as well. Um, it's your number one place for all things sports betting. You can check it out for daily expert picks, analysis, and tools to make you a better sports better. I know I follow, uh, what is it? 
something turd. Um, Knifer, he goes by Knifer and turd. Um, Grant, <laughs> Grant's been on a heater. I think he was up like 18 units um, last week. It was pretty crazy. So definitely check out Scores and Odds. It has a great job, you know, compiling all the odds and, and having the expert picks MLB um, when NBA's in season, et cetera. NFL's coming up soon. So uh, check it out for uh, for everything that you want in terms of betting. So with that, let's talk a little bit about the golf course. I don't know a ton about it in terms of watching it, um, and there's not a ton of data from what I could find. So obviously, from from my perspective, all the data that we pull is all PGA Tour related. Um, so we do course comps and all that stuff, but it's always relative to the PGA Tour. So for this for this event, it does look like it's been hosted here the last three years. Um, it's a par 71, 7,300 yards. Has four par fives, five par threes. So a little bit unique in the par 71. Um, I think it's overall pr- pretty traditional Lynx style golf course. It's pretty much Lynxy rough, fescue. Um, it looks like it was very wind dependent or weather dependent, I should say, the last couple of years. So I looked at the winning scores 2021, um, which was last year, minus 18 under par was in a playoff. Matthew Fitzpatrick, Thomas Dietrich, and Min Woo Lee, uh, 18 under par. 11 under par one in 2020 and then 2019 was 22 under par. So a bit lower. So I assume it was a, a little bit milder conditions um, during that event. So for the most part, it doesn't change. I'm, I'm a pretty standard guy week to week. I think people try to overfit a lot of data for the upcoming golf course. And certainly scoring is relative. I, I think scoring is probably the biggest factor, not so much, quote unquote driving accuracy, you know, the guys can figure out a way to hit it straighter if they're if they need to, um, depending on the type of golf course. So for me, when you see it like 18 under par 11, 22, it's really difficult to figure out a scoring angle, I should say. But I will look at the course history. So I'll bring up Trey if you have any thoughts, and then I'll talk a little bit about the guys uh, yeah. at the top of the board that played last year um, and played well. So that might be something you lean into. And maybe you can kind of comp some guys to just, you know, are, are better maybe in the open championship in this type of style play. Yeah, I, I really uh, lean on course history quite a bit early in the week and, and um, releasing the initial projected ownership. And it's just hard to find. There's so many services out there just aren't able to import the, the course history. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I struggled to get it early in the day. So I, I just, uh, you know, pivoted off that in my initial run. Uh, later in the week, I'll, I'll start to dig in a little bit more there. But I, what I did find was that this course was definitely designed with wind in mind. And they just haven't had it here in the last three years uh, of this event. And there's only been, uh, in my research, just one round in 2020 that that had any significant win one nasty day. So I think the data may be a little bit skewed towards it being a, a, an easy course. But certainly if we get some wind and, and the greens get firm, this thing uh, could, could tighten up quite a bit. We, we may not see those low scores. However, you know, we always, I always want to rely on, on Kevin Roth here at, at Roto Grinders, and we're still a little bit far out. Just looking at WindFinder and looking at the wind patterns uh, for Thursday and Friday there, um, it, it doesn't look too bad. I think Wednesday looks very nasty, but uh, things calm down a little bit Thursday and Friday. Still, uh, we want to keep an eye on, on the weather. It does have an impact on ownership if there is a – a weather yeah. edge, a tea time, uh, uh, AM, PM wave that, that emerges. And it does have a significant impact on ownership uh, late on Wednesday. Absolutely. Yeah. So Kevin Ross, a good, a good one. 
Um, if you haven't already, you can check out, I'm doing a weekly blog. So daily I'll drop some course notes, some data points, um, mostly data centric. And then as we go into showdown, I'll drop some, some nuggets on guys that are really exceeding in proximities. And we have certain, our, our own site, we call it spectrum data. Um, and it's shot by shot level data. And we, we try to capitalize on guys that are trending up after a previous two rounds going forward. So, um, on Wednesday night, definitely check back. Um, I'll try to drop some notes if there's anything in terms of weather, like Trey said, because I do think you can get, you don't want to go overboard on stacking waves, but certainly in really volatile conditions in Scotland or England, um, Ireland, et cetera, you're going to want to try to capitalize a little bit on the waves, especially if there's going to be any wind. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you have to stack AM PM specifically. You could even go the opposite wave. And then if the wind shifts or transfers kind of timeframes, I guess that's a good way for you to get leverage on the field. Cause like Trey said, everyone's going to, if there's an obvious AM PM wave advantage come Tuesday, thir- Tuesday, Wednesday, everyone's going to jam it. And then if you get the opposite side, you'll get studs at like four, 6% owned versus you get Scotty Scheffler, 22, 28% owned. Um, so there's a big difference in the waves. Um, so definitely keep an eye on that. And I'll try to drop some notes into our blog on uh, Wednesday night. Um, as far as this says that this locks 6 a.m. on Thursday, but that can't be right. No, it can't be right. We have to be real careful. You know, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna... championship is always one where I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I thought I had more time to do ownership here. And yeah. it's such an early start. And, and uh, DraftKings still says here, my, I'm central time in, in there, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Says five o'clock on Thursday morning. That's not right. That's you know, not right. Yeah. Don't update that up soon. <laughs> don't rely on that. You know, looking at what they start around two times local time, seven o'clock. So that would put it here uh, for me in central time zone. Uh, you know, it locking around one o'clock. So East Coast, okay. you guys around midnight. So please bear that in mind, everyone. Uh, keep you know, this is a very early start. It's good to have this practice run uh, before the Open Championship. It always catches me off guard a little bit every year. So, uh, you know, just keep an eye on that, on that early lock. There's nothing more, I, nothing worse than, than having dead lineups in there. So, so, um, yeah, know, keep an eye on, on that early lock. Yeah. I've had, um, I've seen a few DP world tours start at like 10 PM my time. So I didn't want to say Wednesday night and it locks at 10 and there's no time for you to do anything at that point. So, yeah. So if it's around midnight then you should have enough time, I'll drop stuff in by eight o'clock. Um, uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about the play Trey, if you're ready. Um, sure, let's do it. For me, I'll trying to get my overall. I haven't built any lineup, so I don't know exactly. Generally speaking, if it's priced like this, at least from what I can tell, balance builds is probably going to be ideal. Um, there is some significant course history for the top guys, which I'll list here in just a second. Um, but generally speaking, when you see when you go down the board and you see like Max Home at 8K, Billy Horschel's down there 8,200, who's just been playing well, Corey Connors 8,300 that immediately speaks to me. It's going to be more of a balanced build approach. Like you can get pretty good value off of those prices, especially knowing that there's a lot of unknowns with the 6k down. There's going to be a lot of unknown European tour guys. Um, And even if they are known, they're going to be volatile. I mean, I I think I played a guy last week getting ready for, for this week and next week. And I think he shot like 69 or 68 on Thursday. And I believe he shot 79 on Friday. Just, I mean, 10 shots worse. So they're very volatile and um, I want to try to avoid that as much as I can. So for the most part, let me um, pull up the course history really quick. Remember I had that. Here we go. All right. So 
last year, interesting enough, John Rahm uh, finished seventh. Justin Thomas finished eighth. Matthew Fitzpatrick, I mentioned, finished second. Xander Shoffley finished 10th. And Scotty Scheffler played and finished 12th. Um, so it's, as you can see, like the top of the class did really well. As you go down, there's some European tour guys that pop, like Lucas Bear finished fourth. He's actually finished fourth here the last two years. So to Trey's point, I do think I do think course history plays a part. It does play a part in my process. I would suggest you look at it. Like Robert McIntyre is a Scotland native, and he has finished 18th and 14th the last two years. Um, there might be an edge in looking at some course history because, like Trey said, it was difficult to find. You're not finding it on most of the PGA Tour um, sites that you look at generally every week. So um, those are the main guys. Um, the other one, like Minwoo Lee won last year. He hasn't been playing great, so I don't really have much interest. But there's a few European tour guys that are definitely worth plugging in. I don't know, Trey, if you had any thoughts on on that specifically. You mentioned you looked at the course history, so I don't know if you had any. Yeah, I did look at a bit at the course history, and and uh, definitely the cream does rise rise to the top here. And uh, but they're you know, uh, again, I'm you know like Min Woo Lee. I mean, he he was highly motivated here, and there are three open spots into the Open Championship available here for people that aren't currently qualified for the Open Championship. So there there's going to be some significant. Uh, uh, motivation for this year's possibly uh men Lee lead that that can crack uh, a big win and get into the open championship or even into the top three um i i do agree with you drew that this does set up price you know considering the pricing and and the odds value uh considerations that uh definitely sets up to be more of a balanced build week uh mainly because uh things get really weak towards the end into the below 7k range there's really not a lot of uh, you know obvious plays, and I see a lot of uh, lower and uh, very even distribution uh, distribution of the, of the ownership down there. So there's not not a lot of there's no Chris Goddard down there. I don't see you know a lot of obvious uh, uh, easy chalk plays down there that would help uh, free up salary for for the top tier. Yeah, it just. And, and even to the point of like those top guys finished well last year, but you can't jam in all the top guys. <laughs> You're going to have no, to find no, some you... value. So um, there's a few that you can get to. And like I said, I think looking at course history, I even think looking at last week's form from some of the European tour guys is, is a good way to go. If they can continue good form into this week, it might be a, a decent edge if you followed the, the DP world tour for the last few weeks. Um and again, that's not reflected in the PGA Tour stats, so it's just it's more of a nuance in looking at course history and recent form, like overall versus specific stats. So, with that being said, we can talk a little bit about these guys. Um, like I said, everybody up here for the most part at the top range played last year and played really well. Um, Xander's coming off a win. Scotty Scheffler's still grading out really well for me at eleven two. It's just really tough for me to play anybody over ten k this week. Um, so what I'm looking for is going down to a guy like Zalatoris. I think he has some motivation to to really get acquainted with um, European style golf, getting ready for the Open. Um, Canley's playing well, and that would honestly, Colin Morikawa doesn't grade out great for me, but his approach numbers have been good. Um, and 9400, I find he's probably a better value than some of the other guys in that 9K range. Like Sam Burns has been playing good. I just I struggle to get Sam Burns right, and I. It's sad to say because I think if I played him every week this year, I probably would have got him right more than 50% of the time. Um, but yeah, Colin Morikawa, the ball strikers in that range for me, Zalatoris, Morikawa, 
And Cantley showed a little bit of form recently. That's that's something I want to kind of lean into for going into next week. I see in the upper tier here, uh, there's there's just some question marks uh, that remain. Scotty, just, you know, he's number one and he still grades out well across the board, but uh, he hasn't really, you know, I did finish, you know, second, obviously, at the U.S. Open, but uh, he's just so expensive. It's, it's we still haven't gotten yeah. used to him being the top uh, salary guy, you know. Uh, so it's it's still I, I believe his ownership is going to pick up a little bit more than it has the last couple of weeks uh, in larger, uh, you know, better, stronger fields like this. But uh, certainly he's not going to be overriding chalk. Uh, JT's got you know a few questions, Mark. I mean, that he did withdraw from the Travelers, not a big deal. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he just uh, he's not too far off from from his uh, his big win at the PGA. And, and it, uh, people have kind of his ownership has definitely been. Uh, you know, middling a bit for, for a guy like JT Fitzpatrick and Shoffley coming off wins. We, we all know how we, we feel about players coming off big wins. It's, it's hard to go back to them. It's hard for them to, you know, win back to back. And, and we, I always see their ownership, uh, you know, um, have a ceiling when they come off a, a big win. Uh, so, and then, and Cantley, Cantley's got that, you know, the specter of, of live, you know, is he the next big guy, you know, of all the, yeah, the top three guys that are going to go to live Patrick Cantley is probably number one on the list. And uh, you know, I just, you know, some of his answers uh, when he was put on the spot to, you know um, you know, answer to his interest in live, he has not given the most compelling convicting, no. you, know, you know, he's just looks like he's headed that way. So, um, you know, I think that could, you know, turn people off. It maybe it's it's, you know, something in the back of his head that's not keeping him in the present, if you if you will. Um, Morikawa, you know, the numbers still look good, but man, if you watch him, he's the baby cut's not there. He's got he's showing some two way misses. He's he's playing a draw. That's not Morikawa. Um, you know, people are. It, it was tough to watch him in the last tournament to see that baby cut not not there, and uh, so that he's. I haven't seen any any news, any evidence that he's he's got that figured out. I really like Zal Torres. He's just a uh, he belongs, uh, you know, in this this salary range. I, I mm-hmm. really think that he is the guy that that's going, you know, of all the the nine uh, K plus guys, he's the guy that to me looks like uh, is definitely ready to to pop for a, for a major win. Although, yeah, I believe it was this year, this tournament last year where he got hurt. Didn't he get hurt in this tournament last year? He yeah. got rough and he hit in the fescue. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he weighs like 135 pounds. So, yeah, he's put on a little bit of weight. He's up to 150 right right now. Right? Maybe, maybe. Especially if it rains in Scotland, he's going to get up there. Um, yeah, Zalatoris just from a from a ball striking standpoint, he's just, he's just too good. And, and I'm not too concerned with Morikawa. I think there's a lot of ways to get it done with link style. Um, but uh, to me, I'm at least looking at value. And Morikawa at 9,400 is significantly, at least in my opinion, more value than even JT. That extra 1,000 can go a long way at the bottom range. Um, win equity might be – honestly, win equity probably is about the same. Even if you take into consideration he's not hitting his baby fade, I, I view that a little bit more lightly. Um, but I think for the most part – all these guys over 9K are, are kind of in the same bucket in terms of win equity or top five equity, even in my opinion, and getting a little bit of value with a, a Morikawa, a Zalatoris. I don't have any problem with a Sam Burns. He played well here last year. Um, that's that's probably the best way to go. Otherwise, if you start with Scheffler, 
your remaining salary is like 77, 7,700 on average, which you can get it done, but you're going to have to probably dip into two low sevens at, at best and probably a 6K guy, which is just going to make you uncomfortable. Um, so I, I just, the way I view it, if you look at Scotty Scheffler 11-2, if you look at Sam Burns at 92, that's a $2,000 price difference. Um, that's a big difference when you consider a 7K guy. And now all of a sudden you go from 7K, you can play, you know, Victor Hovland or some JM. <laughs> it's a big difference in a two in a two-man deal. Um, it's funny how the pricing works that way. Such a big difference at the top. But um, I don't really think there's too much you can go wrong up here. If you want to talk about motivation, I'm not sure Matt's Fitz, Matt Fitzpatrick has a ton of motivation for this week. Maybe next week. I think next week can be fine for a major. But from what I've seen, he's been doing all the all the publicity stuff, all the media stuff, which is expected after a U.S. Open win. Um, he's doing a ton of this, <laughs> a ton of these swing videos. I'm watching him, um, you know, swinging 130 miles per hour, and he's five foot six or whatever. So, if of any of the guys that I would question their motivation for this week, and he played well last year, obviously in the playoff, um, Fitzpatrick would be the guy at 10-1. I probably would avoid. Yeah, I, it, it, he just got his first major, so you know it's hard to 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 keep that that motivation there. But uh, you know, he, but it just he has good course history. Like if you just looked at it from a number standpoint, I think Fitz would would check a lot of boxes for people. And for me, the nuance with what he did at the U.S. Open would be all the publicity, all the media afterward. I would probably avoid that situation. Um, the guy that I've been going back to and wanting to go back to more and more, and I just want to get your opinion really quick from an ownership perspective is John Rahm because John Rahm has not exceeded value. It seems like since, well, he, at the Mexico open, he won, but even then I'm not even sure he exceeded value necessarily besides winning in the, in the GPPs. But since the beginning of the year, he continues to be priced up this high, continues to get ownership and it's just slowly dropping. And I don't know if it's enough to really to go after, but at a certain point, the win equity has got to be there for John Rahm. And like, this would be a perfect style golf course for me, for, for him, in my opinion. Yeah, it, he, uh, it's been a very disappointing year uh, for him, no doubt. And uh, he's shown signs and, and he's, he's been very emotional. He's, he's definitely fighting it. He, he, he wants it. It's obvious, but I, mm -hmm. I do think that, that he is going to be the one here uh, that emerges as the top owned guy in, in the, uh, in the 10 K range. Um, uh, Scheffler, uh, just, just, uh, um, he has consistently remained below, uh, Rom in ownership over the last, uh, three or four outings. And, uh, Rom is, is, um, you know, I see him pushing 20% here, uh, this week. JT is going to linger. It's crazy, right? 14 or 15 and, and, uh, Fitzpatrick's still going to be, still going to be around the 17% range and, and, and Xander a little bit behind. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy that his, his ownership is not caught up and his price hasn't caught up either. Um, I really do think the DK pricing re reflects ownership a little bit. Like if you're getting, if you're getting bought up at 20%, they're not going to move your price down, even if you underperform, which is. There's no doubt that the, the yeah. DK algorithm keys off of ownership. There's, yeah. there's no doubt. And, and you see, see that um, uh, really apparent in, um, really young hot players that go up really quickly. Right. And obviously we're seeing that with Chris Goddard now. For sure. Um, 
Quick, I just realized I could click comments on this chat. Um, happy 4th. Yes, I forgot. <laughs> happy 4th of July to everybody, in America at least. Um, <laughs> and then Bill Thomas, the blog is awesome. I like it, especially for Showdown. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, all right. So with the top of the board gone, let's talk about this mid-range. Um, like I said, I like going balanced. I could see an angle for most of these guys. There's definitely holes in some of them. Um Victor Hovland, I'm not sure what's going on. He's just not been the same Victor Hovland of late. His, his recent form is really bad. Um, I think his best finish, if I had it up, was a 21st place almost a month and a half ago, and he hasn't cracked the top 10 pretty much all year, um, at least in the last four months. So I, to me, I think the guy's same with the ball striking standpoint. Um when I think of link style, I think of guys that can control their golf ball. Sung JM has not played this event, at least from what I could tell. I do like him at 8,700. I think that's a good value. Corey Connors is fine at 8,300. And then Max Home is probably my favorite. I, I've been very high on Max Home all year. At 8K, he has not been priced up. And I guess that might go to the point of his ownership has just not been high enough for DK to move him. But man, Max Home has exceeded value almost every single time he's teed it up. Um, so I'm a very big Max Homa fan. He's, he's done me great this year. And at 8K, I don't know how he'll do necessarily in link style, but in terms of PGA Tour level talent at his price, Max Homa is an easy one to plug into uh, most of my lineups this week. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on, on Max Homa. And I think that's, that's going to be a, a very popular play there in that range. Uh, Billy Ho and, and, and Cameron Young, I, I don't think we'll, we'll really get there in terms you know, Cameron Young is his first foray here in, in, uh, link style golf. And, and, uh, I think we're going to kind of have a wait and see approach on him. Corey Connors looks really, really good for this, this style of play. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood kind of a, a home game for him. This, yeah. is, this is his uh, bread and butter. And, uh, I see him picking up steam as the week goes on. Uh, the the part the player that I still just have massive sticker shock on is Ryan Fox there at eight point five. Uh, he's on an incredible heater here in the Euro in the Euro Tour, but uh, man, uh, his odds are still looking pretty solid there too at forty five to one, but fit which fits in very well in this price range. But um, you know, that's <laughs> eight five for Ryan Fox. I, I like him. I like to see him at seven five, and then yeah, let's jump sure. on. But that that. You know, sandwiched in between Joaquin Neiman and, and Tommy Fleetwood. It's really interesting. It's probably the most uh, interesting uh, pressure point for projected ownership uh, for the week for me. Yeah, I was about to say, it'd be easy to make him chalk at 7,500. It's a little bit tougher up here. Um, he has not, I mean, he's been playing, recent form is great. He has, let's see, five top threes in his last uh, six starts. Pretty impressive. He hasn't played great on this golf course necessarily. Two missed cuts and a 44th in his last three years. Um, but yeah, to your point, I, I think we're, we're just we're dissecting DK's algorithm all night tonight, I guess. But obviously, the the odds go into their pricing, so that's that's essentially where it goes. Um, they can't make them too long. He, I mean, he's been if you're finishing top three almost every single week, you tee it up. That's a big. Uh, it's a big outstanding balance if guys take a big hit at 100 to one or something like that. So it makes a bit of sense. But like you said, a jokey Neiman over Ryan Fox, that head to head's got to be massively favored against Neiman, you would think. Um, again, on most weeks, the European tour might get a little bit 
who knows how their models work. The European tour being a European tour style golf course might just give an, an extra bump to Fox to make it closer. But for the most part, you would never, you would never pick Fox over Neiman or Sungjae Im, et cetera, on a normal PGA tour round to round. Um, or I should say head to head in a round. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he, he's definitely um, acclimated to, to this style of play and, and that run that he has been on here recently is, is is extremely impressive. He's second at, at the Irish Open and the BMW third place, second place at the Dutch Open. But then, you know, do you see cut at the U.S. Open and and fifty fourth at the PGA? So, um, you know that that's 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 to linger. my point. Yeah, to my point. When of you consider the, the PGA Tour field, talent it's, exactly. It's, uh, that that's the exact yes. When you look at the field, it, it's really difficult because, like I said, when you when you take this field and you go to to Scotland versus going to a PGA championship, it's you, you kind of think about things a little bit differently and you probably shouldn't. If this was a PGA championship, then Ryan Fox at 8,500 was a joke because he was what 6,700 at the PGA championship. Um, obviously it's a, it's obviously much stronger in the PGA championship field, but to the same point, the, the, the European tour twist makes this interesting and it probably shouldn't be um, is basically my point. 8,500 Ryan Fox should be lower owned than 10%, but he's going to get enough ownership to, to justify fading at that price for sure. Um, the rest of those guys there, nothing uh, nothing too noteworthy in the AK besides the guys I mentioned, which was pretty much everybody, to be honest. Um, would you say the one fade you had was Cameron Young? Would that be the – I mean, yeah, Fox Yeah, you know, I love Cameron, Cameron Young, but I just think uh, I'm going to – I just want to wait to see how he does, how he acclimates here to, to this uh, link style of play. Um, yeah, he'll probably maintain a, a, you know over ten percent, but uh, you know I, I definitely just a little I'm gonna shy away from from Cameron Cameron Young here. What about Spieth? What about um, uh, Hideki? Not a lot of Hideki. Uh, I was checking your ownerships. He's just very high, which I was surprised by. Um, and also, Spieth kind of makes sense. Spieth makes sense just from his open record. Um, I would probably be more inclined to eat some Spieth chalk. Than, than play Matsuyama. But um, I think, honestly, it's going to be pretty volatile. So I'd probably just avoid that. It's, what, 50% right there, 40% right there. So between those two guys. So, yeah, I like Spieth, but I'm not sure that ownership makes sense. For me for me to play, I'm not, not saying you're doing a bad job. <laughs> no, you're fine. It's early in the week. You know, no, it, it probably does make sense. I, I struggled to get the, you know, I got the ownership out uh, early this afternoon. I prefer to do it later on Monday. Uh, no, you're doing you're doing great. This was not a... The, the tanning cycles, they don't really start until later this evening. So, uh, you know, things will change quite a bit. I do update the ownership uh, multiple times a week, at least four times, uh, barring any, you know, withdrawal activity or, you know, weather-related uh, news. So, um, you know, you constantly want to keep an eye on that ownership. It will move and uh, you can track the current ownership, of course, throughout uh, Rotor Grinders using lineup HQ, uh, or you can go to my uh, direct article to see uh, the actual changes uh, on a, on a daily or by daily basis. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of it, again, not, <laughs> I think you're doing great with the ownership. It was just more of a fact that at 22, we'll just say 20 to 25%. Um, is a bit of a stretch for a guy. He, he's been playing okay, just not playing as well as I would want to pay 25% or eat into 25%. But the flip side of that is, as far as his open style record, I mean, he's been 
fantastic. He won in 2017, a T9 in 2018, a second place last year. Um, and then he sandwiched a T20 in 2019. So of any of the guys, any of the guys going over here, I would say Spieth is probably most comfortable from the American side is most comfortable playing this style of golf. Um, he, his record has just been phenomenal. Maybe Morikawa turns into that guy, but I do think Spieth is deserving of the ownership because his record in the Open Championship has been that good. Um, all right, we can hop down into the 7K range. I don't know if those guys normally break up in the high sevens and lows, but I only had a couple guys I wanted to hit on. So if you want to, if you want to lead off in this range, anyone specific, I'll let you go from there. Well, it, it, you know, we had Ryan Fox that popped up a little bit high um, on, on the salary uh, list here. And we have a couple other guys, uh, Euro uh, players that are on heaters too. And uh, Adrian Moronk, is that how I pronounced that right? Yeah, I think that's right. And, and, uh, and also, well, you know, we're more familiar with uh, Lucas Hebert, but both of those guys are coming in pretty hot uh, to start out the week. And, and of course, I, I actually would prefer, uh, you already mentioned uh, Bobby McIntyre, Robert McIntyre. Uh, there at seven okay. six, I, I I think uh, he is is uh, coming in at a little bit lower ownership, and I just I like his upside. Yeah, a bear is very tempting. Um, played well last week. He finished ninth on the European Tour. Uh, at a course, he played well the the prior year. So course history seems to to run well with uh, Lucas a bear, and he's finished fourth here each of the last two years. So definitely likes this style. That alone is probably enough for me to be super interested. I don't know where your ownership I didn't scroll down. You got about eight and a half there for uh, Robert McIntyre to start out with. Um, Adrian Morocco's a little bit uh, lesser known name, not nearly as recognizable. So he's going to be uh, a lot lower. No, that's that's good. Yeah. And A Bear is who I was talking about. 12 and a half percent is probably right. I think, I think that's a good bump for him um, just off of his course history. Um, for me, really. The couple guys that I'm I want to play more so at the price than anything. Um, Mito Pereira at 7,700 continues to play really well, even with the letdown at the PGA Championship. I like him quite a bit. And Rye's playing well at 7,400. I don't know what he finished last week. I had it pulled up. Um, a couple of the other guys. I'm curious if Pizaden who can play well in this style of golf course because what's interesting is from last week, and I saw some people tweet it out. Um, Vizayden Hoot's not a generally a <clears throat> birdie or better guy. Um, he's like 180th or something and birdie or better on tour. And we run a birdie or better stat and he's right around field average. So it's kind of interesting to see if this golf course plays, you know, 10 under par or 20 under par could be drastically different for Vizayden Hoot at 7,500, but he's been playing well. Um, and I'll probably have some exposure there. Jordan Smith at 7,300, um, and maybe you just didn't get down that far. He's another guy that played really well last week. Um, I like him from a European tour side. And then uh, going down a little bit further, Mr. Luke List at 7,200. Um, we'll see what the the green the green speed is generally over there, and I don't want to harp on really micro stats, but we know that Luke List isn't the greatest putter in the world, but his ball striking is usually good. Uh, if he can play well to the green here, I don't think he can get lost with the putter. The, the greens are generally slower. That's my point. Um, they just because of the wind, <laughs> if, it, if it's blowing 25 miles per hour, they can't have the greens at 12 and a half on the stem because it's going to be blowing. They'll just keep running off the greens. So we'll see how the slower greens do for Luke list. But from a T to green standpoint, he's probably better than everybody in the seven K range over the last 
we'll say three months. Yeah, it's just just a cringe when I'm watching putt. It's just a, a nightmare. He gets so close. The approach, the off the tee is just uh, really, really nice. It's just a um, uh, you know link style. I, I just am worried about about his putting. He he's going to get some ownership. There's no doubt. But I think in this range, I really feel like this is the range that people are going to feel more comfortable. You know, reaching out to those uh, prototypical link yeah. style players. This is where they're going to say, "Eh, maybe I'll wait for list when I get back across the pond." And I'm going to take a chance on a Hao Tong Lee. Uh, Min Wu, maybe not. Min Wu, he's not playing really well right now. Sister is, that's for sure. But, yeah. um, you know, this I, I, th I think we're going to see a lot of uh, a play with Aaron Rye and with uh, Bear and, and Robert, Robert McIntyre. But, um, you know, Luke List, uh, may, maybe they'll be a little bit, little bit worried about him adjusting to the, the link style play. It could be. I, I mean, there's a few guys in there that – like I, I, in one side, I don't really want to overweight the link style because a lot of, like I said, you can get it done a lot of different ways. You can, we've seen Tiger play really well there and he's also played well at the Masters. So it's not like a drastically different style of golf. Um, same with Spieth. Spieth won the Masters. He's also won the British Open. So I don't want to get hung up too much on link style, but some of these guys, we haven't seen them play and, and maybe it just in their mind, it's just it is different golf for sure. And I've heard a lot of guys say that it's different golf. You're not playing target golf. You're playing, you're you're just playing golf. You're not playing to a spot necessarily, but you're playing to an area. Um, so, yes, to your point, there is some unknowns with some of these guys playing link style over others that are very used to it, like an A bear. Um, like I said, Jordan Smith, I do like. Um, what do you feel about Mr. Sebastian Munoz? I feel like he is just such a good scorer. He he is a good scorer. Uh, his his um, his odds weren't weren't too good there. Uh, coming you know starting here on Monday, his his odds to win, but he is getting a little bit of buzz. But um, you know I again feel like he's going to lose out a little bit towards some of the uh, you know the Euro uh, players with uh, Euro link style uh, experience here. I, I really think people want to want to take that leap in this range. I think that they'll they'll kind of shy away from the Brian Harmons and the Keith Mitchells yeah. and Harold Varners and and and, and kind of go towards uh, the Bazaden Hodes, the Rays, the um, you know the Jordan Smiths in this range. I I think that uh, maybe they'll be overthinking it. Maybe exactly. I, yeah, I think they're going to overthink it here a little bit. Uh, there's some some pretty easy checkoffs here. I believe. I think we're going to see very light ownership on <laughs> on the likes of Gary Woodland and Chris Kirk and and Alexander Norin. Uh, but um, I, I think we're going to have a, a little bit of uh, uh, ownership bubbles here with people reaching for, um, you know, uh, players with a good reputation, so-called reputation uh, in, in, um, in, in this area. If the wind picks up, these guys are really going to pick up their ownership too. Um, you know, absolutely. Yeah. They know that people are going to flock to him. They're going to get the hell away from Luke List and get, and go to the likes of uh, Jordan Smith or Bazinga, but uh, we'll just have to check back in on the weather. Yeah, another example. I mean, people are probably going to look at at the course history that they can't find for this venue and look at, and rely on it too much. Like just me personally, when I'm looking through this and say, you know, let's, let's just we'll talk Luke List. We haven't, you know, we don't know necessarily how Luke List is going to do well here. He's never played this event, but he's been playing well recently. When you go down a little bit further into like a Thomas Dietrich who has played here each of the last three years, has like a top 20, I think, uh, two years ago, 
Um, sorry, the 30th two years ago and a second place last year. Yeah, that might be enough. Last year, I believe, wasn't he? I think he was, yes. Yeah. So the, the course history, you know, for most people is enough right there to say, oh, well, Dietrich's a better play because he's at least seen the golf course before. Um, so that might, like you said, the ownership bubbles will probably start to lean towards guys that have at least played here before. And that's probably an opportunity, you know, just to kind of go against your, your gut instinct of saying, well, I want to play the comfort guy, the guy that's played here before or plays a lot on the European tour. Give me, give me some PGA tour guys in this range. You should get them at a discount, like you said, and that might be a great, a great way to get some leverage on the field where mostly is going to be chalk bubbles. Um, I think that's, let me see, 7K. Yeah, like there's a few guys, you know, <laughs> like in GPPs, it's really interesting. Um, I'm a big guy on recent form, not just statistically, but there's some guys that really start to play well and they'll carry it forward to the next week. Uh, we saw that with JT Poston last week with his win. He played great at the Travelers, uh, played great on Thursday and kind of just, you know, just meddled through the rest of the rest of the weekend and then crushed it last week. Um, there's a few guys down here in 7K that um, I'd be interested to play. Uh, Richie Ramsey's the same way. Um, Thomas Streetry, like I said, and Hao Tong Lee won two weeks ago, and you mentioned him. So that that's also a way that I could look at it at, at a different angle is the European tour um, recent form to see any of these guys that have just started playing well. Because, again, we're not looking at necessarily the same comparable data, uh, but the good finishes are good finishes in my opinion. So with that, I don't know if you have any final thoughts in the 7K range, but we can talk about any potential values. But a lot of these values, as when I do lineup construction, I get a little bit more loose as I go down the board. And that recent form, whether it's ball striking or it's putting or it's around the green, I don't really care. The extra confidence of going into last week and finishing T5 on the DP World Tour is enough for me to want to at least go back to in GPPs this week. That's That's kind of how I view it. And, and there are some plays. It, you don't have to reach too far here. I mean, the, the ownership is going to be hard-pressed to, to get over 5% down here below 7K, but there there are some very viable plays here. There's some that really kind of stick out to me, uh, but the Adri Arnaud uh, yep. is, is one that sticks out uh, for me. Uh, Lipsky, boy, Lipsky's kind of – it's just shocked me at, at the uh, Canadian Open, uh, finishing at 18% ownership, and, of course, he missed the cut. And uh, the very following week at the that he played the Travelers, he went all the way down to two percent ownership. Uh, not not a lot of loyalty there in the Lipsky play. Uh, that was one of the more surprising. Well, you um, want to talk I, about that? You talk about swings. Talk about the Goderup swings from the Canadian Open. Everyone wanted to play him at sixty four or sixty three hundred, whatever it was. And then the next week he tees it up and he's like four percent. Yeah, people yeah. people gave up so quick. And yeah, then if right. you would have played him the next couple of weeks, you'd been making a lot, a lot of money or at least a chance to. So. Yeah, people people are quick to to give up on fringe plays down here. Yeah, but it does drop off pretty quick. I mean, we looking down here in the mid six k's. Uh, there's just not a lot that that really is going to um, stand out. Um, you know, Smalley played pretty good last week in the top fifteen, um, and we're really we're really getting into some some European players and. Uh, there, there are some young up-and-comers here and the, the likes of Thriston Lawrence, but, I mean, that's just going to be very tough for a lot of people to, to reach out there. His odds don't look so bad in this range, but, um, you know, I don't uh, 
I don't see a lot of the, uh, you know, traditional PGA DFS uh, crowd kind of uh, moving in that direction. No, the one guy that stood out to me from a price standpoint is Callum Terran. Um, maybe people do or do, do not know, but he is originally from England and he's like a mid thirties guy, mid 30 year old. So he has experience playing on link style golf course and he's been playing relatively well the last couple of weeks. And that's probably worth a shot at 6,300. When I looked under 65, there weren't many guys that, you know, even, even worth looking into further, but Callum Taren had his price, at least off of his, you know, his run at the U S open. He, he had a decent 36 holes uh, and then played well last week on the weekend. So like I said, the recent form, however they're getting it done, is enough for me to go back to at these prices. And Callum Tarrant is 6,300. If you can fit him in, I mean, that leaves so much salary available, assuming he makes the cut. And what we've seen, and I don't know what the, the cut rate was here last year at this event, but generally speaking on the DP World Tour, like 6 of 6 is awful. I mean, it's it's just the guys are so volatile. It's like 4, 4%, 6%, like as a mean. It's, it's pretty crazy. So... Um, don't be afraid to get a little bit weird on on one or two cheap guys, you know, really cheap guys to try to jam in the top range because, like we said at the top of the show, the the cream will rise to the top. And if you have a little bit more win equity over AK, that's probably the way to go. Um, I really like the balance builds, but when I look at GPPs like the the fifth or the twenty dollar, I think it was a twenty dollar. Um, just trying to make a really weird lineup with like three guys over nine K and just trying to punt off. You know, like I said, Calentaren, a Ju Young Kim at 6,400. There's just a few guys that are worth a little bit of upside in terms of making the cut and finishing top 20, in my opinion. There's not a lot. There's, <laughs> There's not a lot. Not there are, There's there not- are a few. You did, I think you did hit on the right ones to, to take those chances on. But, it's just uh, recent you know, form. It's like, like the guys. I mean, there's there are PGA Tour names down here. Lucas Glover at 6,500. Doug Gim at 6,500. Yeah, I mean, you could throw him into your pool. It's not the worst thing. It probably better plays than Miko Korhonen, although he did finish pretty well last week, I believe. Um, but there's just, I, I think that you can get a little bit unique. Even if you eat some chalk up top, if you play a punt down here and play one extra guy over 8K, there could be enough win equity in the top range and then just a top 25 from one of these guys is enough for you to do really well in the GPPs because the dip, the European tour DFS is is very wild. I mean, six to six on Thursday could be like forty percent, and then Friday, it's five percent. It's it's wild. Do you play a lot of the Euro uh, uh, DFS? Uh, I I used to work with um, Skyhoke, who's a big European tour guy on Twitter, and um, he got me into playing it, and I would follow it for especially leading up to the to the Open. So I played a lot last week, the last two weeks, and. Uh, I, I do follow cut sweats and I'll get their cut sweat notification for the European tour. And it's, it's pretty comical. I mean, so, I think three or four weeks ago, I think it was like the week, week or two before the U S open. Um, I want to say it was like 1% six to six. Like it's, wow. it's just crazy. Um, Cause all the chalk isn't as stable as the chalk on the PGA tour. Not to say it's incredibly stable most weeks anyways. Um, but it's just very difficult for these guys to maintain great form for weeks on weeks on weeks, which is what most people are looking at. Um, the recent form, like I said, so yeah, it, it does get very, very nutty with the, uh, the six to six percentage. And, and with the pricing, if guys have to get weird with these seven K guys, 
it's going to be tough to get a ton of a ton of good e- cut equity, um, especially with some unknowns with the link style. Like I said, if I go and play Luke List and he misses the cut, but I I paired him with someone else that was up top that he missed the cut, like Patrick Cantley or somebody, you know, all of a sudden I have a four or six in the lineup look decent on paper on Thursday. So it just is a weird. It can be a very weird week. Well, let's say you want to pick some winners, Drew. Yeah, we can pick some winners. Let's pick some winners. righty. What do you want to pick? Like two of them, three of them? Uh, yeah, let's pick maybe a couple of upper echelons, and maybe we'll have a couple of picks down below. Some long shots. All righty. Um, let's see here. I'll tell you the first guy that I'll pick. I will go right back to Xander as an outright. He got a decent, decent open record, second here in 2018 or second in the 2018 open. So I'll have to go with Xander. Um, and then I'll tell you what, I'll go hot take. I'll take Fleetwood. Oh, that was who I was going to take. Oh, very, perfect. Very nice on the same take. page. <laughs> yeah, definitely on the same page there. You know, it's it's so hard to play him, but. You know, you just feel like he he's due. He's he uh, of all the courses. I feel like I he's going to feel comfortable here, and and yes. the, the moment you don't expect him to win is you know when he when he's going to do it. So yeah, uh, I, I really think that he's he uh, God, he's due. He's just due. Yeah, and and uh, outside <laughs> of him, I I um, I. I, I think I, I think I really like Burns. I think Burns okay. is is the one that's about to pop. I really see him, um, you know, um, acclimating well here, and I, I do like Sam Burns there up top. Yeah, I can't argue with that. It's funny when you talk about outrights, and as I go down the board, I'm looking for European guys because <laughs> when I, every every American I pick, I'm like, yeah, they could do well, but I don't know about winning. Uh Especially really cheap guys. Um, let's see, mid range. I mean, I. I mean, Max Homa won the Genesis Invitational. Why not win the Genesis Scottish Open? That'll probably be my hot take this week. Max Homa owns two Genesis championships. There you go. It just he's just been playing so good. I, I love, especially the fact that he played well at the Wells Fargo. I'm not necessarily saying it's the conditions will be similar this week in terms of the rainy, wet, nasty. Um, but if he can grind out those type of weeks, he'll do fine in any bad any bad weather at a link style course. So yeah, I like Homo a good bit. Well, let's get I you know I I, I just feel like I I, I want to reach a little bit there for a a, a links um, type player and and one that might be trending up a little bit and. Um, you know, um, it's going to be, I, I do like, uh, Dietrich. I do like how Tong Lee, but, uh, I think I'm, I'm going to lean towards, um, I think, I, I think I'll go with Aaron Rye here. Too close. Ah, I thought you were going to say McIntyre. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I, I mean, the easy way out, I'll just say Dietrich. 7,100. I don't, I don't know what his outright number is. I don't have that pulled up, but back-to-back top fours played well last week of all the outrights. It, it makes the most sense to me if, for him. I shouldn't say of, of all the outrights of most of the outrights. It makes the most sense for, for a long shot like him to win. 
um, over like a Siwoo Kim, which doesn't make sense. <laughs> I just can't see that on the headlines next week. Siwoo Kim wins the Scottish Open. Um, but Thomas Dietrich winning the Scottish Open makes sense. Um, yeah, it's probably probably as deep. I mean, I, you could probably take some type of long shot on Arnas or somebody, but um, I don't know if any of the, the deep guys have a chance. Or at least that I want to give them a chance. Callum Taren. I'll just say Callum Taren. I don't know what he is. Got to be like 200 to 1, 250 to 1. Yeah, he's in the yeah, 400 uh, range. Oh, he's 400 to 1. Yeah, he, he's a bit, there's, there's a few other guys that I'm seeing with a little bit better odds. Uh, Matthew Jordan, I don't know much about him at 6,200, is is getting a, a few, uh, some decent odds. Uh, but, um, um, you know, there's also, you know, we had uh, um, Sebastian Soderberg actually made the cut at the U.S. Open, finished, I don't know, 250 or so. But, uh, um, he doesn't look half bad there in, in the very extreme low 6K range. I think he's at 6'3", 6'3K. I was going to pull up. Go. Hmm. Don't have it up. It's going to see what Stuart Sink played well here. He's 6,400. Really interesting from a DFS perspective. Probably not an outright price, but I think that's – I think that's pretty much it for me there, Trey. I'm not sure anybody else really calls out my name to uh, to take a stab on them. I would just say for most people, don't don't get too crazy. Get carried away with your with your uh, player pool. It's very easy to start plucking in one European tour guy after another and say like, yeah, he could play well because, like I said, their recent form is is all over the place. Um, like you mentioned, Ryan Fox is good recent form, and he's got a miscut in there, the PGA, and I think he had another like sixty something place finish um, prior to his string of top twos. So it's uh, it can be very, very unpredictable. Any other thoughts for you? No, I think I think I'm good. Just uh, I, I think it's be very important to keep an eye on the weather. Um, you know, here on Monday evening, it doesn't look like uh, anything too uh, too rough or nasty on Thursday or Friday. But definitely want to keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on on Kevin Ross uh, report, hopefully coming a little bit earlier on Wednesday. And, um, you know, um, keep an eye on the uh, uh, ownership updates will be coming out. I'll do one, another one on Tuesday morning, Tuesday. Uh, evening, and then I'll do one real early Wednesday, and then one just a, a couple hours before lock. All right. All right. Sounds good. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to um, Drive for Show DFS for Doe. Hopefully, we were viable candidates to fill in for Noto and cards. They will be back next week as well um, to preview the Open Championship, which we're pretty excited for. So, um, as far as content this week, I think everything will be up as normal um, expert survey, rankings, et cetera. Um, it'll be all focused on the Scottish Open. And obviously the projections will be up for um, the Barbersaw. I assume they'll have contests for the Barbersaw as an alternate field event as well. So uh, should be plenty of DFS golf for you to, uh, to dive into this week. So without further ado, we'll get out of here. Trey, thank you so much. Great co-host. Thank you, and, Drew. Um, best Good luck, of luck everybody. This week. Good luck, guys. Thanks. 